And yes, praise him that because of the blood of Jesus, we can have deliverance, healing, the peace that passeth all understanding. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Overcoming Life's Obstacles. You're listening to Jerry McGee, and I appreciate you listening in. Um, If you would like prayer at the end of the teaching, you can call 646-595-4784, and I'll be happy to pray for you. I'll just give you my information up front. Uh, You can you can email me at jerrymcgee at sbcglobal.net, and that's S like Sam, B like boy, C like cat, G like uh, global. And, and uh, the way you spell my name is G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E. I love to hear from you. Email me if I can help you. Be happy to answer your emails in any way I can help. Also, you can write me at Post Office Box 1141, Lindale, Texas, 75771, for those of you who do not have uh, Internet. And so let's just open with prayer. Father, we come before your throne, your mighty throne. You are the mighty King of kings, the mighty Lord of lords. And, Lord, tonight I ask you to release your power upon the lives of each person who listens in. Lord, I ask you to touch Dorothy and heal her in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that she will run the way of your commandments, and I pray that for myself and every person listening in. Lord, I ask you in the name of Jesus to allow me tonight to be a tree of life and that rivers of living water will come forth from our innermost being. I ask you to cover me and every person who's listening and our families with the blood of Jesus. Uh, Lord, I pray a hedge of protection, a wall of fire, your warring angels around us, around each person who's listening in, around our President Donald Trump and around the presidents, every president, every authority figure that's trying to do what's right. Lord, we ask you to cover them with the blood of Jesus and put an impenetrable barrier around them. And Lord, all the enemies of the cross and enemies of those who are trying to do what's right, the enemies of those who are... Uh, Our leaders that are trying to do right Lord we just in the name of Jesus Pray a hedge of protection around them And their families in Jesus name And uh, Father in Jesus name We ask you to surround them with truth And Lord we speak over them That no weapon formed against them Will prosper in every tongue that accuses them In judgment we condemn now In the name of Jesus And Lord I pray that tonight I be a tree of life I pray for rivers of living water To come forth from my innermost being And Satan, I bind you, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, wicked spirits in heavenly places from each person who's listening to this message in Jesus' name. I bind and break every word of death, word of iniquity, curse, assignment, and satanic ritual spoken over every person who's listening in. And also, I want to also remind you that if you want to call in for prayer, you'll need to press 1 after dialing 646-595-7800. I'm sorry, I did that wrong. Um, 595-4784. Be sure and press 1. Lord, we thank you and praise you. I thank you for the word of God that's living and active and more powerful than a two-edged sword. Lord, let the words of our mouth and meditations of our heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Well, tonight I want to teach on unrest. You know, unrest is the opposite of rest. God said he will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed upon him because you're trusting in him. The dictionary definition of rest means to be, uh, I'm sorry, unrest is to be disturbed or uneasy, uh, to be in a state of conflict or in a state of uh, rage or anger or being upset, to just be upset all the time. Um, And, of course, the opposite is to live a tranquil life. The Bible says that a tranquil heart is life to the body, but passion, which is anger, rivalry, envy, jealousy, um, strife, living in contention, strife, rottens the bones. And so uh, that's one of the roots of bone problems and every other thing. And a tranquil heart is essential to healing, living in God's peace, living in his presence. Praise God that through the blood of Jesus, it makes He makes it possible that we can live in his presence. And that's the great prayer that I have for my own life, that I might live 
and in his presence. The Greek definition of rest means to be put to rest, like a parent would put a little baby to rest or a parent would put a child to rest. It's a picture of God putting us to rest. Uh, it means to um, make quiet. It means to to um, to lead to a quiet, quiet abode. Picture of the, Jesus, our good shepherd, that leads us beside still, quiet waters. The scripture says that if we're led by the Spirit of God, we're true sons of God. But if we... Um, are not walking in the spirit. We've received the spirit of fear, which causes our life to be dominated um, by fear. Uh, it means to to lead to a quiet abode. National statistics have shown that that uh, having good rest and good sleep is essential to good health. The other day, I had a nutritionalist uh, tell me that good sleep is more important than good nutrition. And of course I would say probably equally important, but um, one in four people in America have said that they have a problem resting. Uh, 68 to 70% of people say they have a problem sleeping. Proverbs 19:23 says the fear of the Lord leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied untouched by evil. Isaiah 57 verse 2 says, God will bring us to peace and we will have rest on our beds, those who have walked in an upright manner. So you can see through these scriptures that sin is behind why we can't sleep. You know, um, it's not a condemning thing, but a lot of times, for example, I've known people that never sleep at night because maybe they grew up in a satanic family where uh, nighttime was a dangerous time. Many times children, because parents molest their children, um, make a vow they'll just stay awake. Uh, I've seen um, people live in fear because, and not sleep at night because they've watched scary movies. Uh, that's been a pattern of their life. That opens people up to fear. Um, it says in uh, Proverbs 1, He who listens to me shall dwell securely and shall be at ease from the dread of evil. Psalms 4, 8 says, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord, have caused me to dwell in safety. Unrest is a curse according to Deuteronomy 28, 65, where it says, there'll be no rest among those nations there you will find no rest. There'll be no rest in place for the sole of your foot, but there the Lord will give you a trembling heart failing eyes, and despair of soul. Now, if that's in your life, there's a curse working in your life, and the cause of the curse is found in Deuteronomy 28, uh, verse um, 16, 15 or 16. It says, because of disobedience to the voice of God and his commandments, all these curses come upon you and overtake you. Now, praise God, through Jesus Christ, the curse can be broken. You know, also people say, well, you know, Christians can't be under a curse. Well, Deuteronomy 28 says sickness is a curse, tumors are a curse, uh, confusion is a curse, um, sickness is a curse, and so Christians can get sick. So wherever, um, wherever you're under these things, you're under a curse, and so you need to find out how the curse came in. Proverbs 26.2 says, like a sparrow in its flying, like a swallow in its, I'm sorry, like a sparrow in its flitting, like a swallow in its and it's flying, a curse without a cause cannot lie. So I thank God that he's taught me that when I have these things and some of the problems that I have, it's, it's rooted in sin, and I'm as repentant as I know how to be. But there's things in my life and the lives of my forefathers that have happened that have not been yet, yet dealt with. And when you, when, when you receive Jesus as Savior, you're still a work in progress. You can be following God for 60 years like I have, and you're still a work in progress. It's a part of the sanctification process where God tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And I've learned that when I have a problem or something, I'm always looking for what God's trying to teach me in the midst of that problem. And I encourage you to do the same. In every situation you're in, God has a lesson to teach you. And that's a part of the, your healing process. And so curses come in through sin, 
The reason we need deliverance is because of sin. The reason we need healing is because of sin. Uh, the scripture says that uh, that um, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and all iniquity is as idolatry. So all sin is idolatry and we're all sinners saved by grace. But that doesn't mean that we live in sin, sinless per- perfection. Uh, only Jesus was the most perfect person that ever lived. Sometimes people think that, you know, they say, well, Job was, Job didn't have sin. Well, if you read the book of Job, you can see that Job had lots of sin. He had bitterness. He had fear. Uh, he grumbled. He complained. But the scripture says he was the most righteous man that lived upon the earth because one reason, when he saw sin, he turned from it. He feared God and he turned away from evil. So when we see sin in our life, if we turn away from evil, then deliverance and healing comes. The scripture says, if we abide in his word, we're truly his disciples and we'll know the truth and the truth will set us free. Sin comes in, uh, sickness comes in, uh, our need for deliverance comes in, unrest comes in, not only through idolatry, through sin, through spiritual harlotry or adultery. Now, a spiritual harlot, harlot is a person that has prayed a prayer to receive Jesus and their heart goes after other lovers, they've committed spiritual adultery. And so when you know the Bible says in James, you do, the adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity toward God? Whoever wishes a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So when the Bible is talking about harlotry, we know that there's physical prostitutes, but there's also spiritual prostitutes. And if we receive Jesus as our Savior and we love anything more than we love him, we've committed spiritual adultery, and that's harlotry. Um, Unrest comes in through the generations. Maybe you had a mother or father that never let you rest. I I know people that never were able to let down or rest at all. They had to grow up being uh, the mama or the daddy. They had to grow up being the one that took care of everybody else, and they were never allowed to rest. That would be another thing. That's why it's impossible to get free of anything if you don't deal with childhood issues because your life today is a rerun of how you grew up. Many times I have people call me and they'll tell me their story and then I'll just say, well, tell me about your childhood and their childhood will almost identically relate to the present. And so these are the things that we have to overcome. We have to deal with generational stuff. And I encourage you to read the book of Lamentations, the whole book. I think there's five chapters in the book, but it's about spiritual harlotry. It's about Israel who uh, was a, committed adultery. So I encourage you to read all the book of Lamentations, but I'm just going to uh, just touch on parts of Lamentations 1 and 2. But in, in um, Lamentations 1, 1, it says, how lonely sits the city. Now, a city is a type of the church. It's a type of the city you live in, but also it's a type of God's children. You know, in Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus, now he said he was, he was the light of the world. Well, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. For a city on a hill cannot be hidden. So he was referring to his children. We're to let our light shine. And so it says in Lamentations 1.1, how lonely sits the city, which is the type of the church, but it's also a type of a spiritual harlot that was once full of people. She has become uh, like a widow. In other words, she has no bridegroom because she's turned from her bridegroom, Jesus. She, she's become like a widow who was once great among the nations. And, you know, at one time the church was honored among the nations and now because uh, sin is rampant in the church and because repentance is not taught and holiness is not taught, uh, people make a mockery out of the church. And she was once great among the nations, but she's become a laughingstock. Uh, she who was a princess among the provinces has been put to forced labor. Now, when a person's been put to forced labor, it means they're like on a monkey machine. It's like uh, they 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 live. They're running, going, uh, and they're they're put to forced labor. And so when I'm put to forced labor, I don't rest. And it could be a generational and uh, 
iniquity of the forefathers. A lot of times it is. I know some of the things that I'm dealing with in my life were generational curses. My whole family, it was like um, the Bible says the sins of the fathers pass on to the children, to the third and fourth generation. And I've been dealing with that as much as I know how. You know, people that don't believe in curses, they go to the doctor and the doctor takes a, 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 a health record and he says, you know, does your family have heart, heart problems? Do they have this? Do they have that? And they, he calls that uh, genes, but God causes it, gen, calls it generational iniquities of the forefathers. And the Bible says the sins of the fathers pass on to the children to the third and fourth generation. Incest goes 10 generations and so does uh, a curse of illegitimacy or a bastard curse. And that's a different subject. I'm not teaching on that. But um, it says that uh, she has become a forced laborer. Uh, it says it says in that, that in Lamentations 1 and 2 that she weeps and there's no one to comfort her. In other words, she don't have the Holy Spirit. You know, you say, well, if she's a believer, she has the Holy Spirit. Well, Acts chapter 5 says he gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. So this is a picture of a harlot. It's a picture of a person that lives in uh, spiritual adultery, uh, lives in rebellion, lives in sin. And so, so this, this harlot has no one to comfort her among all of her lovers. In other words, her idols. Her friends, they, they forsake her and they are unfaithful to her. She goes into exile, into, into affliction and harsh servitude. Uh, she dwells among the nations because she's worldly. Um, she has the wrong yoke on her neck. Uh, it says the yoke of her transgressions has her bound. They've come upon her neck, and they're knitted together. And then it says God gives her over into the hands of her of those of, of whom she's not able to stand. He lets her enemies get her. You know, our only protection is to dwell in God's secret place, which is the secret place of the Most High God, and we can only dwell there whenever we are totally submitted to his lordship. And today, uh, many ministers and many deliverance ministers would just say, well, you know, the devil's really doing a number on her. Well, the devil is allowing the devil to do it because everything that happens to a child of God is father-filtered. Nothing can touch you unless God allows it. And I know everything that I'm going through, God's allowed it. And I can say one of the good things that have happened through that, God's used it to teach me, take me deeper with him. And I'm still repenting and I'm still looking and I'm not going to stop. And I, I'm going to overcome because the Bible says because what, of what Jesus did at Calvary, I can be an overcomer instead of live, being living in and overcome life. Lamentations 3.15 says, He has filled me with, uh, with bitterness and wormwood and has made me drunk with wormwood. Then you see rejection and lamentations. You see that there's no peace, um, no happiness. Strength is fails. And of course, only one, there's only one place that we can find rest. And that's Matthew 11, 28 through 31, where he says, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble, and you shall find rest for your soul, for my burden is light and my load is easy. That's the only place we're going to find rest. And, you know, I like to use my potter's wheel illustration if I was teaching you in person. I have an illustration of a clay being on the potter's wheel and I show the clay that's full of junk is on the potter's wheel and that's a picture of being on God's altar for me to be on the potter's wheel I have to come under the control of the potter I have to be willing to give up my life put my life in the hands of the potter and you know if I have if I grew up with a poor image of my mother and father it's hard for me to give my life over to a God I think like my dad or mother so there's a lot of issues there that have to be dealt with, even in submitting to his lordship. Uh, you know, if your parents always lied to you, you think God's a liar. If your parents didn't protect you, you don't think God's going to protect you. I see so many people today so hysterically afraid of what's going on here in the world today because they didn't grow up being protected. 
they had to protect themselves. And all of a sudden, I have to protect myself, and I don't know how to do it. And I'm in this world of turmoil and chaos, not knowing if ISIS is going to appear on my front porch or not. And let me tell you something. The only place we can be safe is in God's arms, safe in, in his refuge. Um, uh, Proverbs 18.10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong power. The righteous can run into it and are safe. And you know what? The, the strong power of the Lord is more real than the building you're in. Uh, Isaiah 35 says that when we walk the highway of holiness, no lion, no fool, no unclean can walk there. Um, Job 28 says when we walk the way of wisdom, no bird of prey even knows where we're at. It goes on to say that Abaddon and Apollyon, Abaddon and Apollyon, they say, well, we've heard about wisdom, but we don't even know where it is. And see, it's a secret place that we can be in when our life is totally given over to God. As long as we're holding on to idols and we're holding on to things and we're holding on to anger and unforgiveness and bitterness and getting our button pushed, hey, those are areas that open us up to the enemy. And so we have to deal with those things. And so when we come to Jesus and wear his yoke, it's a picture of being on the potter's wheel. It's a picture of subjection or servitude. It's a picture of me yielding my life 100% to God the potter. And it's the potter's job to take the junk out of you. Um, All the clay does is rest on the potter's wheel. That's your part. Your only part is to yield to the potter, and God the potter will take the junk out of your life. And, you know, we all have junk. I don't care how long you've walked with God. I don't care how spiritually you think you are. There's always areas of our life that God wants to deal with until we go into eternity. And he uses our problems, our situations, to show us what he wants to fix next. And so instead of panicking, we need to go to God and say, what it is you're trying to teach me? Now, let me just tell you something else. If you grew up and you could never go to your daddy or your mother for them to fix a problem, then you have an issue with God, a lie that you believe that God won't fix your problems either. So you see how important it is to deal with father-mother issues uh, in if you want to get healed and delivered and set free. And we all have to do it. Um, and, you know, there's the yoke of Jesus, but we, I can, the yokes I've been under, I've been under my own self-inflicted yokes. Uh, you can wear the yokes of other people. You can wear the yokes of people that have controlled you. And see, all of that has to be broken because if you're under letting somebody else control you, you're not under the control of Jesus. And that's where you have to be. And so his yoke is light and easy, and you find rest for your soul. And his yoke is a picture of subjection or servitude. It's a picture of giving up your life. Um, and if you're living under... Um, unrest If you're living in unrest It it proves that you have The wrong yoke on your neck And I'm going to ask um, Dorothy to read uh, Hebrews Chapter 4 Verses 1 through 13 In the uh, New American Standard Bible Dorothy would you read that for me please Yeah Just get it up here. Okay. Therefore, let us fear if, while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith, in those who heard. Excuse me. For we who have believed enter that rest, just as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, 
they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day. Today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as had been said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest, so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both, both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Praise God that he sees us. You know, we don't have any problems that he don't know where we're at. And he has an answer for all of our problems. You know, it's it's been easier for me to know that God has an answer for my problems because I grew up with a daddy that um, he always had a solution for everything. Uh, I may not like what he has to say, but he would always tell me the truth. And he would always fix whatever the problem was. So it's easy for me to believe that God fixes my problems. But if you grew up with a daddy that never fixed anything, then you've got to deal, forgive your father for never being there to fix your problems. Because those things, the, the judgments we make on our parents puts a block between us and God. And, you know, I had, you know, um, I had really, I really had great parents, but they weren't perfect. And I've just repented of thousands of judgments I've made on them because they didn't, you know, they never prayed with us. They never took us to church. They were just good. Um, and, but if you grew up in a very dysfunctional family, then that, those dysfunctional things have to be dealt with. In fact, the Bible says that when Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline instruction of the Lord. So wherever a parent violates the law of God in training us up, he provokes us to anger in those particular areas. And those angry, those angry things can be buried for years and years and years. <clears throat> so when a problem comes up, God may show you one of those areas, and you have to forgive, and then God will heal that area. In, in uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 4, verse 1, it says, let us fear while a promise remains of entering his rest that some of you don't enter. <laughs> so we need to be diligent to enter God's rest. And so what does that mean? That means that when an area comes up where I'm stewing or fretting or fearful or angry or hurt or worried or grieving or discontentment and are discontented, uh, when these areas come up, I just need to deal each, with each one of them. You know, you can't allow fear in your life. You can't allow anger in your life. You can't allow grief or sadness. Or, uh, and it's sure there's times that we get sad. But you know what? God wants to heal those times. He wants to heal every area. He is the great physician. He is the healer. And so uh, first Corinthians 3.9 says that you're a building, you're a house, you're a field. Mark 4, Luke 8, Matthew 13 says your soil. Hosea 10 tells us to break up the fallow ground uh, because we're all spiritual gardens and there's been things planted down in our life that's producing bad fruit. It's also things that have been planted in our life that's producing good fruit. For example, if you plant corn, you're going to get a stalk of corn with bunches of ears of corn with hundreds of kernels of corn. So you know what's been planted by what kind of fruit comes up. And those are the things that we have to deal with. Those are the giants in our land. The children of Israel had uh, physical giants to overcome. We have spiritual giants. 
we look at our spiritual garden and we see what's growing in that spiritual garden. And if it's perversion, you know, there's been seeds of, of perversion planted. If it's lust, you know, there's been seeds of lust planted. Uh, and if there's good things, praise God, but we're dealing with a deliverance. You know, Jeremiah once has pulled down, uproot, and up, pull down, uh, pluck out, and uproot those things from your life. And then it says, um, and it says, and then it tells you to rebuild and plant. So we need to get rid of the negative things growing in our spiritual garden and plant good things in, in its place. The children of Israel had physical giants to overcome. And, you know, the, the word Canaan means rest. And, you know, Noah was safe in the ark, which is a picture of being in God's refuge. And Noah means rest. And so the children of Israel had uh, giants to conquer. And we have spiritual giants to conquer. And the giants in our land are anger and grief and sadness and rebellion and hurt and discontentment and criticizing and judging and sickness and disease and whatever else. These are things that have to be overcome. And every time we overcome a giant in our land, we experience God's rest. And then he'll show you something else to conquer. Thank God he doesn't show you every giant growing in, that's in your land because you couldn't take it. But he'll show you what's next by using the problems you go through to show you what's next, what's the next thing he wants to deal with. And as you deal with these giants, you conquer these giants, then you come into God's rest. And then, praise God, he'll show you something else. Usually he lets you rest a little bit before he brings something else. <clears throat> In many ways, our life is a rerun of how we grew up. The same things that vexed us as children are the same things that are vexing us now. You know, I have people call me and say, well, you know, my boss just doesn't recognize any good I ever do. And I can almost always, 99% of the time, say, well, did your mother and father recognize you? And they'll say, no, he, they didn't. So they do the very same thing. If I don't deal with authority issues, I go to work and my boss is treating me the same way my mother and daddy and brothers and sisters treated me. And so these are things that God lets people mirror what he's wanting to change in our lives. Um, have you ever had a friend and you thought, you know, they do this, they do that, they shouldn't do this, they shouldn't do that, and God shows you that you're just like that friend? He lets people mirror what he wants to fix in us, and, and sometimes uh, he lets people mirror what someone else has done to us, areas where we have not forgiven a certain person. God will let another person in the present <clears throat> trigger those same hurts, and we think it's the per- person in the present, but it's really the person who originally hurt you, or it can be mother and daddy. Very often it is. God tells fathers, provoke not your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And how we're trained up sets a default. You know, a default on a computer is you can type a letter and use, I think it's three or 400 different fonts. But the minute you go into another document or another letter, kicks it back to how the factory trained it. And, and how you and I were uh, trained at the factory is how our parents trained us. That's just a default, and we're trying to break out of those defaults. And um, the only way we can break those defaults is to go back and forgive the pa- our parent for uh, the, poor, our, the poor stewardship of us, forgive them for the negative ways they trained us up, and ask God to reset that default. And through forgiving them, God will reset that default from negative to positive. God allows situations, people, um, circumstances as a part of his sanctification process. You know, we can't allow button pushers. Wherever you have something that pushes your button, and, you know, you can explain it this way. If If you're an angry type of person, you'll just blow up when somebody pushes your button. But if you're a more subdued type of person, Somebody pushes your button, and you don't explode, but you can just feel it stick in your neck like it's coming up, like a wounded spirit coming up, and it'll just stay right in your throat. And that's a wounded spirit. Wherever you get your button pushed, that's a place where you let the sun go down on your anger, and you turn to a false god instead of turning to the true and living god. 
And so the giants in your land um, are the things that have to be conquered. The, the negatives in our life have to be conquered. And God instructs parents to train us up in the way that we should go. And how we're trained up, um, basically, the, the negative traumatic circumstances you grew up in, that's your wilderness. You know, the children of Israel had to conquer the giants in the wilderness. Our wilderness is how we were trained up if it was a negative thing. Praise God for the, the parents that train children up in the way that they should go. But let me tell you, even the best parents don't 100% train their children up in the way they should go. So we need to repent of how we've trained our own children up and forgive our parents for uh, training us up in according to the word of God. And, you know, through Christ Jesus and his death on the cross, make, he made it possible for us to redeem lost opportunities. Uh, thank God through his sanctification process, through the blood of Jesus. Um, we just praise God for what he did at Calvary. Hebrews 12 tells us to pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no man will see God. King James says, and holiness without which no man will see God. And let's just kind of get back to the potter's wheel. You think, well, without holiness, no man's going to see God. Uh, Without sanctification, no man's going to see God. Well, I'm in trouble. But if you think about the potter's wheel again, you know, the potter's wheel represents his altar. And in the Old Testament, God would not take a, um, a defective sacrifice. He wouldn't take an animal that was lame as a sacrifice. It had to be a perfect, flawless animal. And so you and I have a problem. God tells us in Romans 12, 1, present your body to God as a living sacrifice. Well, if he wouldn't take a, a defective sacrifice, I've got a problem because I'm defective. But it, but if I get on, the, if I yield to God and I get on His altar, then the blood that spills out is the blood of Jesus, and He doesn't look down and see my imperfection. He looks down at His perfect blood. But I have to get on the altar, and that's a picture of submission to His lordship. And so when I get on the altar, that's what it means to be holy as He's holy perfect as he's perfect and in spite of all of the junk that's in my clay if i'm on the potter's wheel it's the potter's job to take the junk out god looks down on this imperfect ball of clay like i am and like you are and the blood that spills out on that altar is not defective blood it's the precious blood of jesus in fact the bible says and that's a picture of abiding in christ it says in First John 3, 6, whoever abides in me does not sin. So that's the only time that I'm perfect as he's perfect and holy as he's holy when I'm yielded to him. And how we know that we're not possessing our land, that we're not overcoming, uh, would be that our life is in a state of turmoil and conflict all the time. Uh, we live in a state of unrest. Um, we're angry. We're bitter. We're hurt. Uh, we're addicted, Uh, we live in rage, dysfunction, contention, strife, and you could just go on and on and on. If I'm living this way, I'm practicing sin. And so for me to be an overcomer in Christ Jesus, I have to overcome every negative thing in my life and align myself with the word of God. And deliverance comes when you do that. Most deliverance I've I've gotten, and I get delivered of something just about every day, But the greatest deliverance I've had has not been from other people praying for me. It's been through me uh, yielding myself to God and aligning myself through the word of God by just doing word studies and repenting over the word of God. So whatever your problem is, you can find the answer in God's word. The The Bible says that his word is forever settled in heaven. Jesus is the word of God. He sent his word to heal you. So whatever the problem is, you need to find the answer in God's word and align yourself with life with the word of God. And so the way we get free is we ask God to show us what he's trying to teach us through what we're going through. Deal with your mother-daddy issues. Uh, it would be a good thing to make a list of every negative thing about your parents and forgive them for each 
thing. I know most of you that are listening have already said, you know, I forgive my parents for the terrible way I grew up. But in deliverance and healing, you've got to be specific uh, and to, to specifically forgive them for each thing. The first time I did this, and I had real good parents, really good parents. They weren't perfect, but um, but the first time I did this, I, I repented over a thousand judgments I'd made on my parents. And so uh, if you grew up in dysfunction, I'm, you'll probably have even more than that. But I'm still dealing with judgments I made on my parents, but now mostly dealing with my wrong attitudes toward my parents. The Bible says um, that if we if we dishonor our mother and father, life will not go well for us. And dishonor means that I don't forgive them by sundown. And then deal with the generational iniquities of the forefathers. Forgive your parents, break soul ties, uh, and always know that whatever you go through, God has an answer. Whatever you go through, God has got a lesson to teach you in whatever you go through. And um, be encouraged. God loves you so much, and he don't want to leave you in the state you're in. He wants to bring you into his rest. He says in Isaiah 26, verse 3, it says, he will keep you in perfect peace. When your mind is stayed upon him because you're trusting in him. And I, and I quoted this scripture earlier, Isaiah 57, 3, or 57, 2 says, he will bring you into peace and, and you will rest on your bed because, when you walk in an upright way. So make sure your life is, you continually align your life with the word of God. Don't allow anger in your life. Don't allow unforgiveness. Don't allow, don't allow bitterness. Don't allow rebellion. Don't allow uh, de- de- depression and discouragement. You know, you get depressed because you look at your life. It's all idolatry, and you don't think your life is going the way you think it ought to go. Stay on the potter's wheel, and you can't miss God because he's the potter, and you're just the clay. Praise God. Well, if you can if you can agree with those things, if you want to repent, I'll lead you in repentance and then um, do some deliverance and then share a little bit more. Um, so, and, and let me tell you, you'll never overcome if you've not born, been born again. I don't mean praying a prayer and your life never changes. When you're born again, your life will change. The Bible says, for any man being Christ, he's a new creature. All things pass away and behold, all things become new. And so if there's been a time in your life that you've received Jesus as Savior, but you've not been willing to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him, chances are you've never been born again. And so God wants you to be born again. And so um, let's first deal with that. If if you're listening and you've never totally yielded your life to the Lord, um, he wants you to be totally submitted to him and he wants you to live under his lordship that means you choose his way over your way his plan over your plan his attitudes over your attitudes and his word over your word and you'll get a great deliverance just through aligning your life with the word of god look up the problem in the bible find it in the bible find the symptom in the bible find the body part in the bible and align your life with the word of god And so, Lord, I receive you as Savior and Lord and Master. Forgive me for um, not being willing to deny myself and take up my cross and follow you. Lord, forgive me for being disturbed and living in uh, an uneasiness and a state of conflict and turmoil. Forgive me, Lord, for not having a tranquil heart that's life to my body. Forgive me for passion, anger, rivalry, jealousy that's rotten my bones. Lord, forgive me for not following you, the good shepherd. Lord, forgive me for um, not having the fear of the Lord that would lead to life so that I would sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. And I want to say this also about the fear of the Lord. There's two kinds of fear of the Lord. There's a demonic fear of God, and there's a true fear of God. A demonic fear of God comes in through parents that you're afraid of, and so you receive a lie that God's the same way. And you run from God rather than to run to God. A true fear of God is to turn from evil and run to God and let him fix your problem. 
But if you grew up with raging, angry parents, you're afraid of God, and it's a demonic fear. So, Lord, it, so if, you, if you're listening to this prayer and you had parents that you were afraid of, Lord, I forgive my parents for their, for their anger, their, their rage. I forgive them for their hatred, their strife. Uh, I forgive them that I was afraid of them. And, Lord, you're nothing like my mother or father. You're a perfect God. And, Lord, I just come to you and, and ask you to give me a good, uh, ch- change my demonic image of you to a true image of you. Forgive me for not listening to you so that I could sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. Lord, forgive me for the demonic movies I've watched. I forgive my parents that I was never able to rest. I forgive them that I had to be the mother, the daddy. I had to perform I forgive them that I could never relax. Um, and, I've, and I was never able to lie down and sleep in peace. I forgive them for the dysfunction that I grew up under. Lord, I forgive me for disobedience to your voice and your commandments, which would cause me to find no rest among the nations, that only to find um, no rest for the sole of my foot, but a trembling heart, failing eyes, and despair of soul. Forgive me for disobedience to your voice and your commandments. Forgive me for idolatry and harlotry. Forgive me for um, committing spiritual adultery against you, which would cause me to be put to forced labor and not be able to rest because I had the wrong yoke on my neck. Uh, I, I just, Lord, ask you to tear down strongholds of loneliness and rejection and misery and unhappiness. In the name of Jesus, Lord, forgive me for fear, doubt, unbelief, worry, anxiety, tension, stress, nervousness. Forgive me for bitterness, discontentment, disquiet. Forgive me for rest, being restless. Forgive me for being tormented. Forgive me, Lord, for uh, fear, worry, anxiety, tension, stress, nervousness, hysteria. Forgive me for wearing uh, my own yoke. Forgive me for letting other people control me. Um, Lord, I just come under your control. I ask you to heal my heart. I forgive all my friends that have forsaken me. God, would you forgive me for my sin of spiritual adultery and spiritual harlotry, which would cause me not to have a comforter and to be a widow and to be exiled into affliction and harlotry and and, uh, servitude. Forgive me for being worldly. Uh, Forgive me for wearing the wrong yoke instead of the yoke of Jesus. Lord, forgive me for uh, my sin of harlotry that would cause you to fill me with bitterness and make me drunk with wormwood. Forgive me for being under a spirit of drunkenness. Lord, I thought it was revival. I didn't realize it was a judgment from you. I pray there'll be a resting place for the sole of my feet. I pray that you'll help me walk in an upright manner so that I can uh, come into your rest and sleep in peace on my bed. Forgive me for uh, thinking I have to perform to be loved. Lord, I just choose to come and yield to you and get on your potter's wheel. Forgive me, Lord, for not entering your rest. Forgive me for hardness of heart. Uh, Forgive me for not being diligent to enter your rest. Lord, forgive me for being allowing enemies to defeat me. When, Lord, you you died that I might have victory, that I might be an overcomer in Christ Jesus. And, Lord, I just ask you to show me from this day forward that when I go through a circumstance to find out what you're trying to teach me. And, Lord, I just uh, ask you to show me how to possess my vessel in sanctification and honor. I forgive my mother and father for provoking me to anger and not training me up in the way I should go. I forgive them for training me up in the way I should not go. Lord, forgive me for not realizing that you let people mirror what you want to change in me. Forgive me for not taking accountability for my own sin. Forgive me for dealing, living in fear and button pushers. Uh, God, I am not realizing that each of those places have to be healed. Lord, thank you that you made it possible for me to conquer conquer every giant in my land, uh, that you've made it possible, Lord, for me to live in victory and live an overcoming life and live in peace. 
thank you, Lord, that I'm secure and safe in your refuge. You said that your name is a strong tower. I can run into it and be safe. And, Lord, I just run into your refuge now. Forgive me for not pursuing peace with all men and sanctification without which no one will see God. And that just means to yield to you and you will perfect me. Thank you, Lord, that it's not up to me to turn the potter's wheel and perfect myself. Lord, I confess I can't do it. I confess that, Lord, that I've always believed the Lord helped those that help themselves. And, Lord, you can't help me as long as I'm running around the potter's wheel. You just want me to get on it, and then you'll fix me. Thank you, Lord, for your fix. For I forgive every person that's hurt me. God, forgive me for uh, using uh, substances to, um, to function. Forgive me for depression and grief and idolatry. Uh, and, Lord, I just thank you that you're going to teach me what it is I need to know because Lord when I wear your yoke it's light and easy I find rest for my soul and you're my teacher you said I have no need of a teacher because your anointing abides in me you teach me everything I know and I thank you Lord I thank you it's up to you and not me Lord I confess I can't do it I I commit myself to you and Lord from this day forward I'm your problem and I just praise you Lord I praise you for healing deliverance I take accountability for the unrest that's come down through the generations. Lord, I ask you to start with Adam and Eve and let your cleansing blood flow down through the bloodline of each person that hears this message to wash away any ground Satan's had in their lives through the sins that they just now confess. In the name of Jesus, I tear down all the strongholds of unrest. I tear down strongholds of conflict. I tear down strongholds of contention and strife. I tear down strongholds that have put them to forced labor. I tear down strongholds of rebellion and antichrist. I tear down strongholds of turmoil. I tear down strongholds of torment, of unforgiveness, of bitterness, of resentment, of anger, of hostility. In the name of Jesus, I tear down strongholds of hatred, variance, strife, contention. I tear down strongholds of lust and perversion. I tear down strongholds of alcoholism and drugs. I tear down strongholds of caffeine, strongholds of, of uh, perfectionism and performance. I tear down strongholds of, of uh, always feeling like I have to walk on eggshells. I tear down strongholds of, of uh, panic, uh, trauma in the name of Jesus. I tear down strongholds of witchcraft. I tear down strongholds of depression and discouragement in the name of Jesus. I tear down strongholds that distort the truth. I tear down strongholds of a spiritual spirit of harlotry. I tear down strongholds of a deceived heart. I tear down strongholds of lies and lying in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, in every life, I cast down every imagination, every high and lofty thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, And I take captive in Jesus' name every thought to the obedience of Christ, and I punish every disobedience because my obedience is complete. And, Lord, I ask you to release your power to heal every person who hears this message in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you, Jesus, will flow through me out to every life and pour out your power and healing and deliverance upon every person who hears this message In the name of Jesus, amen. And ask God, Lord, I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. In Jesus' name, praise you, Lord. Take a deep breath because the word spirit means breath. But you know, I found the minute you repent, it's boo devil. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. I command, I tear down strongholds of drunkenness. Wormwood, bitterness, in Jesus' name, rejection. I break those strongholds in the name of Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Well, I'm just going to give you an opportunity. If anybody wants prayer, you can call at 646-595-4784. Don't forget to press 1. Um, you can go onto my website, jerrymcgee.com, and that's G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E, all lowercase, dot com. 
and you can sign up for my daily thoughts of encouragement that come out not daily, but <laughs> maybe weekly. I've started doing those again. And uh, you can sign up for my, my mailing list. There's lots of books and tapes that you can order. I recommend Clearing the Land, which is a repentance book. You can actually get deliverance going through that. And um, also there's a book I've done called Resetting Life's Negative Reaping Patterns, one on grief, um, one on entering God's rest. Basically, it's this message, uh, a little book that I wrote on this message called, um, I think it's called Conquering Giants Through Entering His Rest. Um, there's lots of free CDs you can listen to with deliverance prayers. And um, I appreciate those of you who give to the ministry and even give to Dorothy's ministry. Dorothy is the precious lady that just read from Hebrews 4. She sponsors this program, and she doesn't charge for being on the program. So I encourage you to support her ministry. Uh, You can send her a gift through PayPal at D. For Dorothy Churchy, C-H-U-R-C-H-Y, number one, at hotmail.com. And uh, if you would like to send a gift through PayPal to Abiding Life Ministries, or you can mail to Post Office Box 1141, Lindale, Texas, 75771, or you can send a gift through PayPal. We appreciate all those who support the ministry. And uh, let me know if I can be a blessing to any person. Just uh, you can contact me at Jerry McGee at sbcglobal.net. And um, and our meetings at Lake Hamilton Bible Camp, because of COVID, have been canceled. I guess for a season, but they will resume uh, as soon as we can, as soon as they can. Uh, I'm I still I'm I'm doing meeting in Corsicana, Texas, the first Saturday of the month. If you live in the Dallas or Corsicana or Athens area or even Waco area, I encourage you to come. Um, I'll send out a flyer if you'll sign up for my email on uh, jerrymcgee.com. I send out a flyer reminding people of the meetings. We meet the first Saturday of the month in Corsicana, Texas at 10 o'clock. And it's usually over at 12 or 1. We do personal prayer for anybody that needs prayer. But if I can help you in any way, um, you can email me at jerrymcgee at sbcglobal.net, G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E at sbcglobal.net. I love to hear from you. I love to hear what God does in your life. It's all for his glory and honor and for his praises. And so if there's no one calling in for prayer, then I'll say until the next time we meet the second, the first and the third Tuesdays of every month from 6 to 8 p.m. Central Time on Blog Talk Radio. And so appreciate your prayers. Um, God bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may he make his face shine upon you and give you even more peace and more rest.